I'll greatly appreciate it. We started off in Romans chapter 12, but if you will flip over with me to Philippians, to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 4. We're talking about this character under construction series that we are just now, uh, we're starting today. We're, we want to continually better ourselves, to better our church, to better our community, to better our world, right? And we want Orlando Baptist Temple to be more than just a building on the corner of Powers and North Lane. We want to be a light. We want to be a beacon. We want to be a community that gives back, uh, right? A church that gives back and, and does uh, what I believe that Christ would want us to do, which is to go out into the highways and hedges. Knocking doors and stuff like that is great, and it's good for us to, uh, to plant the seed uh, that way, but we need to be able to out, be out there building relationships and, and getting in touch with our community, and so that's what we're doing. So Pastor Carl Day is going to come, and he's going to give us the Community Outreach Initiative Workshop and just kind of kick it off for us and help us get ready for that, and then we're going to get busy ourselves. We'd have By that time, we'll have about two and a half months of just mental training, and so now we're going to get our hands dirty. Uh, get our bootstraps pulled up, and we're going to get in the work. And so I hope that you are being mentally and physically and emotionally prepared because we are going to see God do great things. But I cannot do it myself when I need you. And so make sure that you are preparing yourself for that. So that's what I'm doing here today. I'm trying to help you to be prepared. Are you already in Philippians chapter 4? Say amen. All right. Y'all are prepped. Y'all are on your P's and Q's today. I like it. All right. Flip up. So look, let's look at verse 8. It says this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. In this character under construction theory, uh, theories, that's weird. All right, let's try again. In this character under construction series, the first thing that we are going to look at is constructing your thoughts constructing your thoughts you are your thoughts is the your thoughts are the root behind whatever you do you realize that right it's your thoughts that lead to an that lead to an action it's an action that leads to a habit it's your habit that inevitably leads to what becomes the structural makeup of your nature and it's important for you to go ahead and get those thoughts in the place that they should be not just in church related business but in all areas of your life. What does the Bible say? We wrestle not, um, that's not how it goes, um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, but uh, what is it? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, but powerful. You know, they're, they're built through the, through the, I'm going to go ahead and just turn there because I'm butchering it, so let's try again. All right, I'm going to go over and turn over to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Just really quickly, you don't have to turn there for me, but I usually have this verse committed to memory, but my brain is not on today apparently, so we'll try it again. Just looking right at the scripture itself. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. All right? So it's important to make sure that we have our thought, our, our thought process in the right place. And so we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your thoughts first and talk about how to shape our minds to be where it's supposed to be so that each and every single one of us can live a victorious Christian life. How many of us want to live a victorious Christian life? They want to see God work in their lives. They want to see, because listen to me, it's a lot. Listen to me. I've been telling you for a long time, church. Church is much more, the Christianity is much more than getting your get out of hell free card one time. 
hey, Christianity is, a, is much more than standing up and singing some songs in church and sitting through one service a month. You know what I'm saying? I know what I said, one service a month. Let's check yourself. It's, it's a lifestyle. Christianity is not a phase. The Bible says that when you come and receive Christ as your Savior, it shifts from living your life for yourself to living your life for the one who died for you. He says, he says, wherefore, beloved brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, the, the, he says, the least you can do for me is live for me since I gave my life for you. And that's going to, that's going to manifest itself in whether or not you can get in the proper mind state. Because this, that's, for most people, forget being in a physical prison. Most people are in a mental prison. And, and we, it's not scriptural, but it's been said that idleness is the devil's playground. It's, it's in those moments of idleness. It's in those moments of, of despair. It's in those moments of tribulation. It's in those moments of, of, of just being and feeling alone. You could be in a room full of people and still feel isolated. And I understand those things. It's out of the root of those things where, where bitterness and depression and all those different things come forth. And so the best way to get ahead of that as best as you can, listen, sometimes depression comes on faster than you can prepare for it. I'm not saying, you know what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that we can do a lot in getting ourselves into a place where we are conducive to nothing but spiritual growth. Because the kind of life that I am trying to live is that the devil knows that he ain't got no place here. You know what I'm saying? And I want us to, again, be able to be in the best shape that we can be so God can bring us to the best place that he wants us to be. And it all begins with your thoughts. We're going to start off with the first word in the here. It says, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are true. Flip over with me to John chapter 14. The book of John chapter 14. We are currently on Wednesday nights working through the gospel of John. We're doing an expository study on the gospel of John. I hope that you'll come and check it out. We've been learning some things. We've been growing. And I hope that you'll um, get involved with that. The best way to learn about Christ is through his word. And John is 92% distinctive from the, all the other gospels. There's information about Christ found in the gospel of John that you will not find anywhere else. And if we're supposed to walk in his image, you better learn how he walks, right? John chapter 14. Look at verse 6. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the... All right, y'all reading with me. I like it. And the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is truth? Well, number one, Christ tells us that he's the truth. Christ tells us he's the truth. I'm on record right now. I'm going to tell you something. Pastor, do you proselytize? Absolutely. What does it mean to proselytize? It means to tell people about Christ regardless of what their mental, physical, uh, um, religious, sexual preference, any of that stuff. You tell people about Christ in, with, the, with the intent to draw them to Christ. Well, isn't that messed up? Aren't you stepping over people's boundaries? Well, let me tell you something. If I believe that there is one heaven and that there is one hell and that every single person in this world is going to spend their eternity somewhere, it is my obligation to tell people about Jesus. If I believe there is an eternal hell and that there is a way out, I'm going to tell you about it. Now, what you do with that information is up to you. But I'm going to tell you why because I care. The Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second commandment is likewise, that you will love your neighbor as yourself. And if I'm going to effectively love my neighbor to the point where I can give them the gospel, I've got to tell them the truth. And the truth is that there is only one way to God. The Bible says, no man can come to the Son unless the Father compels him. And then it says that I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me. Listen to me. 
I don't, I do it because I believe that Jesus is the truth. And if he's the truth, you deserve to know the truth. People deserve to know the truth. And I want them to know, listen to me, whatever you do, whatever, whatever your feelings are on religious structure and organization, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves you. And many people have a preconceived notion about Christ, about heaven, and about hell that is not correct. People don't realize that. People say, well, how can God send me to a hell? How can God be send, saving me from a hell that he's sending me to? Incorrect. Incorrect. The Bible says that the, the devil was created for the devil and his angels. We, through being imperfect, were grafted in. So God's like, okay, well, I created you to not go there, but you went there anyway. So I'm going to now step out of my eternity into a physical manifestation to die for you. That's the truth. That's the truth. And I'm just trying to let people know the truth. Now, what you want to do, you may believe that truth is relative. I do not. I do not. Christ is the truth, and people deserve to know the truth. And again, whatever they do with that, with that information is up to them. But people deserve to know the truth. The best way to be able to stand against the opposition of lies is to know the truth. To know the truth. I got some friends. We call them sneakerheads. You know what a sneakerhead is? They're people who collect retro sneakers, just like how some of you may collect guns or you may collect knives or you may collect, they collect sneakers. And you believe it or not, sneakers can run for a lot of money. Anyway, anyway, but there are some people who they can know. Brother Mike, you are, you're very knowledgeable with guns, right? I bet you can look at a certain brand and you can already know that certain specs about the brand or certain specs about the gun. You may say, oh, that's faulty, that's da-da-da-da-da. So I know some sneaker heads that they're like, man, that's a fake shoe. That's a fake shoe. And how do they know what the fake shoe is? How do you know what the real gun is? You know, what's you, know, you know how to spot what's fake by knowing what the truth looks like. You see where I'm going, church? Because if I'm going to live a life that is to honor and glorify Christ, if I'm going to live a life that is trying to be the most victorious as possible, I have to know the exact model and make behind what it is that I am following. Church, if you are following me, you are in error. If you're following this church, you are in error. Unless you are following after Christ yourself, you're going to be falling right into a carbon copy of lies. That's why I tell y'all, bring your Bible to church. Take notes. Fact check me. You want to know a secret? When Dr. Riggs was here, I'd fact check him. We had some private meetings where I was like, oh, you said something today. I'm not sure that was right. Come, do it. I want, because you know why? Because I don't want you, I'm not, my intention is not to lead anyone astray. I am trying to be the best biblically that I can possibly be. But guess what? I'm, I'm fallible. I'm human. I make mistakes. And I don't want someone to be like, yes, pastor, you, that was a word and the word be a lie. You know what I'm saying? I want you to be able to look in there and look at the word and say, wow, I'm, pastor, can we talk for a minute? Because you said something and based on scripture, I'm not sure that was correct. I want you to know the truth. And the Bible says, the word of God says that Jesus is the truth. What else do we know? Turn, over, turn all the way back to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers. Turn to the book of Numbers in chapter 23. Chapter 23. And look at verse 19. It says this. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he, uh, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Not only is Jesus Christ the truth, but God is the truth. God's the truth. God does not lie. Let me let you know a secret. Knowing just God is not enough. Pastor, what do you mean? 
The Bible says, even the demons tremble and know my name. Oh, I believe in God. Okay, what else? Because that's not enough. That's not enough. You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the truth of the matter. I believe there will be many people who, are, who will stand before God and they'll get cast into a lake of fire. And they'll say, God, why? I served you. Listen to me. Check this out. I'm going to say something that's so taboo right now, okay? Let me slow down. I'm getting excited. I'm going to say something that's taboo. There are people. You hear me loud and clear? There are people in churches who are serving every chance they get, who are involved in every ministry they can possibly be a part of. They're in church every time the doors are open. They are trying to live the best life that they can possibly have, and they are going to die and go into a personal, into an eternal lake of fire. Let me tell you why. They believed a lie. Doing a bunch of stuff is not going to equate to salvation. Yea, are ye saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should. Who can finish it? Boast. You know what that means? To brag. To take credit for. And you know how many times I've talked to people about Christ, and they'll say, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person and I've done all this stuff. And I don't doubt that you're a good person. But the Bible says that your righteousness compared to God is as filthy rags. The Bible also says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also says, but God commended his son, his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My word says that Jesus died on the cross for every single person because you personally do not have enough merit to earn it. And there are a lot of people that are, someone told me, um, uh, someone was sharing me, um, just recently about how it's how they've been able to, to do stuff and get involved in stuff and then find out later that they weren't even saved. That happens. That happens all the time because people equate how, how good they do things to, to what they to what they to their citizenship of heaven. And the truth is that that's not enough. Because by doing that, we say that I've done enough to earn heaven. Last I checked, the only way there was through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The one who took your nails and your thorn and your beating and your spit and your punishment. That's the truth. We have to know the truth or we, we believe a lie. We believe a lie. And that might be a little bit hard to hear, but there are good people who think that they're doing it or doing enough. And it's like, that's not, that's not it. We talked about it before that knowing the truth is the best way to not be deceived by false information. Knowledge is the best defense against a wicked flesh. Who knows? Do you understand this? Let me tell you something. I told you I'm going to be getting all up in your business, all right? So if I, if I come in, you know, to work on Tuesday and find out that my stuff is packed, I understand. When Jesus Christ got done feeding the 5,000 people, do you know what he did? He departed. He told his disciples to depart to the other coast. And wait for him while he went up into a mountain to do what? Who knows? To pray. Spend time with God. You know when Jesus Christ was in the wilderness after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights? That good old Lucifer came to, to tempt him? And you know how Jesus Christ combated Lucifer with scripture? Jesus Christ. Let, may I remind you that Jesus is the word. I am in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was, was with God, and the, word, and the same was in the beginning with God. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, even the glory as the only begotten of the Father. He used the word. He is the word, using the word to defend himself. Pastor, you're saying a whole bunch of stuff. What do you mean? I'm getting there. Don't rush me. Wait. Jeez. What makes you think that if Jehovah God in the flesh had to still use prayer as a meaning of spiritual substance and the word as a spiritual defense against the forces of evil, what makes you think that you don't have to? What makes you think that you don't have to? I don't want you to answer this out loud, but how much time have you spent in the word this week? Hmm? How much time have you spent in prayer this week? And it's not for me to know. I don't, I'm not going to say I don't care. I do care, but it's not up to me. It's between you and God. But if you thought that, if you came to church last week and that's all the Bible you got, you've backslidden in a week. Listen to me. We got church folks walking around in a Bible. Listen, by the way, the truth is the, word, the Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whosoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. What does that mean? We got church folks walking around this earth all the time with no armor on. Why do you think that you're falling into that mindset? Why do you think that you're falling back into your old ways? Why do you think that you're struggling with who you are? Why do you think that you're battling with all these demons in your mind? It's because the Bible says that it, when the demons were in the mind, they left, they left. And what happened is the person cleaned that room out, and what happened? The demon came back, and what did he do? He saw the place was clean, and he brought his friends. That's because you have to realize and understand that the best way to combat this life is with the word. That's the truth. That's the truth. Forget about what I think. Forget about what everybody else in the room thinks. Think about what's best for you and for your growth as a believer. This is my challenge to you to scrutinize your life and say, have I believed the truth or am I believing a lie? Am I walking in? Because listen to me. That mind is going to be on attack. You know, there's a spiritual battle happening over you right now. And every day you go by without sharpening your relationship with God, you are more and more prey. What did, what did, what did God tell Peter? The devil desires to sift you as we. What does it also say? Lust, when it is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. There is a target on your head, church. And if you don't know the truth, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be deceived. That's why it's important. People, people are trying to live a victorious Christian life, and they don't know any of the promises of God because they're not spending any time in the Word knowledge and, and, and having it is the best defense against a wicked flesh and against a wicked devil. Walking in the truth that you've been given is the best way to not fall into a lie. Knowing the word of God says, uh, knowing the word of God is the best defense against, against the attacks, against the wiles of the devil. What does the Bible say? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, having done all to stand. My question is for you today, have you been doing all to stand? Because if you don't know the truth, you are easy pickings for a lie. It's easy pickings for a lie. And you got to make sure that you understand these things. Did you realize the reason why Lucifer went, again, went to, use, uh, to tempt Eve and not Adam? You know why? Because did Eve know the truth? Yes, yeah, she did. But she, had, she got the truth by secondhand knowledge. You understand that, right? Adam heard from the mouth of God, don't eat of that tree. Lucifer was like, well, she ain't hear that from God. I can, I can talk to her a little bit. Hey, Eve, 
That fruit looks good. Well, God said we can't eat of that fruit. Did God really say? He was the most subtle of the field. You know what the truth is about Lucifer? And you've heard me say it before, but he is not pointy ears and a long, weird tail and a pitchfork. Anybody ever seen the movie Constantine? That movie is so far off, it's crazy. But one thing that they nailed is that when they presented Lucifer, because Lucifer was an angel of what, church? Of light. When Satan comes to you, church, he's going to look good. I'm talking beard groomed and connects. My beard don't connect. I'm working on it. Connects. His hair is going to be cut and trimmed and laid nice. Three-piece suit like Brother Greg. He's going to be a smooth criminal, boy. He's going to be like, hey, how you doing? And he's, the Bible says that when, when we first see Satan introduced to us, he is called the most subtle the most subtle that, and most beautiful creature that God had created. That's not an accident. And if you don't know that he's going to come and stand before you as an angel of light, that's the best way to be deceived. Because let me tell you this. The enemy of the, of the best decision is not the worst decision. It's the good decision. Pastor, what do you mean? If, if, my, if, if, if my goal is to get to that back door, Satan doesn't have to turn me like this. All Satan's got to do is turn me like this. What does that mean? If my goal is there and I start walking, am I going to hit my goal? You know what the word sin means? The word sin literally translates to missing the mark. That's the truth. He's smooth. And we got to understand these things. We got to understand the truth. We have to understand that we have to shape our mind around what is true. It's important for you to check this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it talks about how we've been given an anointing at salvation. You've been, getting, you've been given an anointing that says that you technically don't even need the teaching of any man. The Holy Spirit can teach you in and of itself. Which means what? It's good, he says, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, right? That's what the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit can teach you things and will teach you things. You read your Bible with the notion that says, Lord, show me what I need to know. Teach me what I, have to, what I need to know in your word. You have to understand that if you know the truth and you are equipped with the ability to know the truth, that you won't fall to lies. Let me tell you the truth about lies real quick. Some, things about the tr- some, some truth about the lies. Number one, they will contort scripture to fit a view or an agenda. I'm going to share this. Someone before, now... Let me preface. This is, this is slippery. All right. I'm seriously going to be fired after this week. All right. Um, there is no biblical, there is no biblical mandate that condemns an interracial marriage. You understand that, right? There is no biblical mandate you will not find at one time. There are times where God told the Jews not to because there was specific purpose. But there is no biblical mandate that says a white person can't marry an Asian person or a black to a Spanish. There's no biblical mandate. There's none. I've heard people use this scripture, though. Be not unequally yoked together. And when I was a kid and I heard that, I was like, 
All right, well, the Bible says, but you know what happened when I read it for myself? There was a second part to that verse. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with, oh, snap. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What's the point? People contorted the scripture to fit their agenda. Now, if you have a preference, you're allowed that preference. I'm not here trying to say that if you don't date interracially, then you're going to die and go to a burning hell. That's not what I'm saying. You can date and marry whoever you want within the confines of salvation. But that's the only stipulation. And that's just one of the examples. I hear people using scripture all the time. That does not mean what they're in. I don't think it's always on purpose, but I think we have to be careful that we don't take stuff out of context. And, and the truth about lies is that they will take what's scripturally true and contort it. Lucifer did this to Jesus. You know that, right? He said, bow down to me, and if you worship me, then all this stuff will be yours. And Jesus Christ says that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then after that, he told him to jump off the temple unless he, he said, jump off. He said, and, you know, the Lord will send angels to catch you so that you don't, unless you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus was using scripture to combat that. If you don't know the truth about what is in scripture, you're going to be susceptible to it being contorted and used in the wrong way. You know the truth? You know that, you know that passage, Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Did you know that that scripture was talking to just the Israelites? And that does not apply. I mean, we can, we can take the principles from it, but, people, but that was not applied to the local church that was talking to the You see what I'm saying? We have to make sure that we don't just say things and pull things out and all things work together for good. No. That's a lie. There's a... All, it's more to that, to that verse. Well, all things work together for good. Mm. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Did it say all things work together for your good? Go and read it. Romans 8.28, I can give you the reference. Go look at it yourself. It works for my good? No. It works for your good? No. It works for good, for the will of God, which means that, I'm going to be transparent, which means that it may not turn out good for you. Which means it may not turn out good for you. Well, you know what this is going through, and it may be your cup to struggle. That's the truth. It may be your cup to go through a storm. It may be your cup to go through these tribulations. That might be your cup. It might be your cup that you struggled for all throughout your life. It may be your cup for that. But if you step back and look at it and say all things work together for good, to them who love God, to them who are, the court, are called according to his purpose. That's how that, that's how that widow at Zarephath was able to take her last meal that she was going to use to feed her son and, and, and starve to death and use it to feed the prophet. Hey, that's how that woman in the Bible who only had two, literally two pennies to rub together and used that and gave it to God. You know why? Because the Bible says that her faithfulness will be, will be, will be held throughout all, the, all, all time. She will, the Bible says that she will be immortalized in his word. Because some, you have to realize this. The truth is that your life is bigger than you. Your life is bigger than you. Once you get saved, you have what's called a testimony. And a testimony is how your life glorifies God. 
when I, when I, when I live my life, it is demonstrative, not of myself, but of the God who is in me. And that might mean that I have to struggle. Hey, let me check this. Let me tell you something transparent moment. There was a woman that I know that was the sweetest woman, that I, one of the sweetest women I ever met. And she was a loving woman. Her, uh, me and her kids were great friends, and she was a beautiful person. She got struck with cancer. She got struck with cancer. And she battled it, and she battled it, and she battled it, and guess what happened? She lost the battle. Why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? Thought we think that, right? You know that at her funeral, that was a packed out room. And over 30 people that day stepped forward and accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Her life was bigger than her. People from all walks of life, when she was a child, when she was an adult, when she was, when, you know, and through her kids, and I'm talking about people from, from church, people who weren't church people, all that different stuff, and they came forward in hundreds. I mean, it was like a 400-seat auditorium packed with people. One of the biggest funerals I think I've ever been a part of. And people stepped forward and say, if that's the kind of Christ she had, I want it. Bigger than you. What am I trying to say? The truth is, you got to watch out for the way that you treat Scripture because sometimes we contort it to say, if it's not our, if it, you know, I'm going through this different thing and that means that God's not good. No. The number one reason why, we, let me tell you, I'm going to give you a breakdown. This is free. I'm not even going to finish my lesson today. We have to come back for part two. The truth is, we go through things in our life, number one, so God gets glory from our life. Number one. Whether, you, whether good things happen to you or whether bad things happen to you, God, the God of the mountaintop is still the God of the valley. Number two, the Bible says that sometimes we go through things to help other people. Did you know that? Ms. Shirley, you and I talked yesterday. Sometimes we go through things so that we can help other people. I remember sometimes, I remember things that I went through as a child that I would cry and say, God, why me? I'm one of the most faithful teens in this youth department. And I, and I do this, and I do that, and I do this. And why am I going through this struggle? Why am I depressed? Why am I going through all of that stuff? Until I was 23, and I went to a juvenile detention center, and I looked into the eyes of kids who were just like me, Brother Greg, and watched them change their lives around because someone was able to empathize and understand what they went through. It made sense. You may not understand what you go through on this side of eternity, but I believe that we will stand before God, and he'll say, here is all the labor of your faithfulness. And this is not some feel-good stuff, church. I'm just trying to let you be transparent that when you go through things, the Bible says that, listen, God sees you. When, they were, when Jesus sent those people up into the, into, the, uh, into the ocean and he went up to the mountain to pray, the Bible says that the great storm came and they were scared for their lives. And the Bible says that from that mountaintop, Jesus saw where they were. Hey, the Bible says that the lilies of the field that are dressed every morning and the sun rises and a sparrow does not fall from the sky that God does not see. How much more are you? That's the truth. Just because, listen to me. God does not operate on our timetable. That does not mean that he does not see. The truth about lies is that lies will try and tell you that God does not care. God does not love you. God is not involved. Hey, you, you struggle with sin, then you're a heathen, and God's done with you. You know how many people I deal with on a week-to-week -week basis that tell me that they're afraid that God has disowned them because they're struggling? Last I checked, the Bible says, what does God require of thee? A broken and a contrite heart. That's what he told me. That's what his word says. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Last I checked, the Bible says that we are adopted into the family of God. Last time I checked, people who are adopted cannot be disowned. Y'all got to read your Bible. You got to read your Bible. Because the truth is that the devil and the flesh and this world are all in cahoots together. And they're going to do everything that they can to discredit God to you so that you can live the most miserable life possible. You got to know the truth. Pastor, what's the truth? Is that you may struggle this week and you may feel condemnation because that's what happens when we struggle with sin. And we'll feel, guess what the Bible says though? Wherefore there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Hey, when you may be going through a situation, you may say, man, I don't know what's going to happen or, or what's going to happen with this. And God is forsaking you because you're struggling. Last time I checked, the Bible says that my God shall supply all of your needs. Hey, we may be going through different things and we may struggle and we say, man, I have no hope now. Well, that's crazy because the Bible says that we have the blessed. Like, you hearing me? You got to know the truth in order to combat the lies. The devil has no place in my life because I know the truth. What you going to say to me, devil? When I know my Lord. When I've seen the track record of God, you have to know the track record of God for you personally. And you, that, when you, in, in constructing your thoughts, you have to know, you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth because that is the only way. That is the only way in order for us to not be, because listen to me, the Bible says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And if I know that, then I can walk in victory. You understand what I'm saying? Know the truth that you don't have to worry about being persuaded to the lies. But it says not only the truth, it says not only the truth, uh, sorry, whatsoever things are true, but whatsoever things are honest. That means noble or dignified. Are your thoughts honorable? Are your thoughts honorable? Pastor, what do you mean? How many of us being transparent, if all of our thoughts were plastered on our foreheads for everyone to see, you'd be mortified? Anybody? Anybody? Look, I don't try to... I'm not trying to, listen to me, I'm not trying to, I don't try to be a bad person or anything like that, but I'm human. I'm human. So when that lady cut you off in the, in the street yesterday and you was, hmm, you had some thoughts, huh? Boy, I should just. We think thoughts that we shouldn't all the time. What sort of things are honest, honorable, noble, honoring not only to God, but to yourself, but to yourself. You have to learn how to protect the Bible says in all these things to possess your vessel. Are they honorable to God? Are they honorable to your name? Are they decent? Are they conducive to the foundation of your behavior? Remember, if you think about the fact that your thoughts, your thoughts are the foundation by which you live your entire life, you do a better job of protecting it. You're not in the right mind space. You got to make sure that you do that. It's, it's from an honest mindset that you developed your principles and standards. It's honesty with God, with yourself, honesty that develops you into the person that you're supposed to be. So let me ask you, what have you been dwelling on? You've been dwelling on the truth? Hey, did you know that emotions lie? You can't trust emotions because they're fickle? You can't trust them. You can't trust them. And and what did we find out in Romans chapter 1? That when the people believed the lie, rather than believing the truth, they gave themselves over to all kinds of awful stuff. You have to know the truth. You have to know that I can't trust, I can't make that decision right now because I'm, I'm upset. I can't make that decision right now because I'm grieving or because I'm angry. or, or these. You got to know the truth because emotions will make a fool out of you. You got to be smart. 
well, I'm never going back to church because all, church, all, all people are hypocrites. You know what happens? Because church is full of people who are hypocrites. Just like your job is full of people who are hypocrites. Just like the doctor's office is full. You know why? Because they're human people. The church is not a place for perfect people. It's not about whether you wear a suit and tie or you got your suede shoes on. It's not about any of that. I am not in this church trying to look perfect, y'all. I am not perfect. I struggle. I deal with sin just like you deal with sin. I am, we are not in here trying to create a group or an, or an image of perfect people. The, the church is a hospital for the sick, for the people who need growth and encouragement and growth and direction. It's for the people who don't have it all together. Your behind should be in church. I don't care what you look like. The Bible says that men look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I'm more concerned with this. I'm more concerned with this. We are not trying to create an image of imperfect, of perfect people. And if you think that church is full of perfect people, you will never fit in in church because you will never be perfect. It's a lie. And we have to get to a place where we understand that if we know the truth about God and about this world and about this life and about ourselves, you are fully equipped to be the best Christian you could be to live a victorious Christian life. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. This is only part one of the thoughts portion because there are seven other words that we have found that we need to use to construct our thoughts. So we're just getting started. But if you really want to see God take you farther than you've ever been as an individual, then you as an individual, must get your thing. And it all starts with making sure that you know the truth. You bow your head and close your eyes.